Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steyer Blondie. This is Roland Olsabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. (laughs) Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawke, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is David Frangioni, CEO and publisher of Modern Drummer Magazine. So excited about our new podcast, The Modern Drummer Podcast. This weekly podcast will bring Modern Drummer to life. Sit back and enjoy fresh, fun, and insightful conversations with today's top drummers, producers, musicians, beat makers, and craftsmen. Whether you're a professional, a hobbyist, drummer, musician, programmer, producer, or just love music, this show is for you. Every other week, the Modern Drummer Podcast will feature world-renowned producer, songwriter, and drummer, Narda Michael Walden. Narda Michael Walden's Upbeat is featured exclusively on the Modern Drummer Podcast.
everybody. I'm David Frangioni, and welcome to this week's podcast with Gerald Hayward. We're here with Gerald and, of course, Billy Amendola. Billy, say hey. Hey, everybody. How are you? Thank you for tuning in. So, Gerald, catch us up. How are you doing? What have you been up to? I know you have so much going on. You've done so much already. Let's, uh, let's jump into it. Gerald! <laughs> well, I could be totally honest, man. You know, like I said, I'm trying to live in this... I've been living in the pandemic, man. I've been trying to, you know, reinvent myself and trying to really, uh, like I said, I'm 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 turning into a, a, uh, you know, I'm turning into a studio dude because that's where we are nowadays. You know what I mean? Um, You know, I'm a professional drummer, but I'm teaching myself how to be an engineer, and I have to know how to be an engineer to be a part of what's happening now in the world, on the internet, in the world, in the music industry. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm really trying to get into uh, doing some sample packs and different things like that. Um, I've been really blessed, man, to have, a, you know, a room full of drums. So I got a good you know, a good gauge on what to pick from and everything like that. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm just doing that, man. I'm just trying to really get into what's happening today. What what's are you playing be- for drums and cymbals? What, what's your rig? Who are you endorsing? What do you, what do you do there? Well, I play DW drums. I play Remo heads, Zildjian cymbals, Vic first sticks. Uh, I have earthwork microphones. I have, uh, I think that's it. I have Zoom, Zoom uh, for recordings as far as uh, the mixer is concerned, Um, you know, and just, you know, trying to make everything work, man. Trying to learn how to push buttons. (laughs) And I I know you've been doing the Groove X with uh, Russ Miller and uh, Bill Dedimore. Tell us a little bit about that because we actually have a contest running with that as well. Oh, okay. Groove X Click, man. Uh, You know, my boy, uh, Russ Miller. And, you know, Sarah over there at GrooveX Click, I really love the product. It's funny because I have one sitting here right now. And this is this is a great product, man. It's, it's so dope um, with the copper inlay, you know, in, in between the wood. And it sounds like, you know, I have an analogy. And my analogy is, you know, we have we had a, a HD and now we have 4K. This sounds like 4K you know, opposed to just the regular rim on a snare drum in HD. So, you know, HD was last year, 4K is this year. <laughs> so, so, so explain a little bit, like exactly that goes on the snare drum? Yes, it goes uh, under the lugs. It has uh, joists here that connect to, uh, you, you loosen your lugs and you put it on and then you put this, you know, you tighten your lugs back. And, uh, you know, it sits in a perfect spot. Um, it does not get in the way of you playing chops or going over back and forth. It is perfect. Um, the size of it is perfect. You know, the crispiness, the loudness, it's, it's, a, it's a great product. You know, so it mounts on the snare drum rim closest to where you're sitting. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so you can, do, you, can do, you can do rim shots off them as well? Yes. Yes, I have I have a video on a GrooveX Click where I'm actually playing the top of it upright with a stick and not not side stick. Oh, but nice! It's for side stick, but 
I play the upright and it's still the same effect. It's still a 4K, you know, it's my ears like it. My ears like it a lot. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. All right, let's go. Um, let's, well, you know, me and you go back, I mean, way, way back. Um, yes. So I, I, I'm still going to call you the godfather, uh, <laughs> not, not, not the grandfather. Because right. we're, not, we're not going there. We're not going there yet. We got plenty of time for that. But of course, you're known as the godfather of R&B and, and um, gospel drumming. Uh -huh. And you know the people that you played with: Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Britney Spears, Beyonce. I mean, Chris Brown. It, I mean, it goes on and on in that era. Britney Spears. Britney Spears recording nope. with um, Teddy no Riley. Britney. Right. Mm -hmm. no, no Britney. Britney Spears. No, no Britney Spears. Britney. Oh, you see now? All right, this is a good thing because I want to keep this in instead of editing it out because you see how p misinformation goes all over <laughs> all over the web? And this is why we always say you got to come to the source to get the truth because right. I noticed a lot of times lately when we've been doing these interviews, if we do a little bit of research, there's things that people say, no, I, didn't, I never played on that album. And it's all over right. Wikipedia. It's all over the place that, that they did. Right. No, I, I would never take the credit for something that I didn't do because I'm blessed to have a very, very good resume. And my resume, you know, thank God it speaks for itself. And Oh, I'm, my God, it's phenomenal. I, I, um, yeah, Britney Spears was one that got away. I didn't get to play for Britney Spears. Uh, I, was, I was asked to play for the Spice Girls. I was asked to play for NSYNC. I was asked to play for 98 Degrees. Uh, all of those groups, I missed playing because I, would be in, I was being loyal to another group that I was already playing with. Right. Uh, I, a story that you don't know is I was supposed to be one of the Fugees. Wow. I was in the group, the Fugees. I did and not know that. A lot of people don't know that story, but uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to take credit for something that I didn't do, but, uh, yeah, I know Chris Bailey, I think played for Britney Spears. I want to say, um, and a couple other people, uh, Teddy Campbell might've played for her. Yeah. So right. you know, I'm, I'm not going to take that credit. <laughs> I'm glad I well, I'm glad we got to clear that up on here and people should pay yeah. attention to, and that's why they need to come to modern drama to get the source and find <laughs> out the truth about what's happening. But I got to right. say it. And you know, I tell you this all the time because I want to talk about this. Right. When you did um, the Rob Thomas solo album, his first solo album, something to be right, right out of the gate. I mean, right <laughs> out of the gate when we came out, you know, that, that those toms and that, and, and that started <laughs> to kick in. I mean, <laughs> It, it just blew everybody's mind because nobody knew for a while who was playing drums on that record. And right. then that record, what you created on that record, it was just, it was just something that no one ever heard before because right. it, it was rock, but it wasn't rock. And then you brought right. that, started that whole gospel R and B, you know, playing over the one and, 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 and all of that stuff just naturally happened but from you playing on that record and then that whole scene blew up. Right. So Billy, sp specify which song so people can go and listen to it and, and, and reference Oh, well, Lonely No oh, More. I, mean, I listened to it this morning. It's almost like a great. It's one of my album. favorite records. It's, Honestly, it's I listen like to it every day too, but maybe other people want to check it out or, or refresh. 
Well, no, you have to go to it. Um, well, Lonely No More. I mean, John May is on that album on Street yeah. he plays He plays the guitar on that album. I mean, that whole album, I mean, it opens up with This Is How a Heart Breaks with the toms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the tom yeah. sound alone is so powerful. And let's talk a little bit about that whole process, because I know the story, but I want everybody else. I love that story about when Rob called and you called yeah. Teddy. Come on, tell us that. <laughs> All right, so 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 the thing was, I was on tour with Mary J. Blige. The production manager uh, worked with uh, with Rob Thomas and with the Google Dolls, and he was telling Rob Thomas, like, "Yo, man, when we get to New York, when we get to Radio City, you gotta come hear this drummer." You know, so I cool. So we have been on the road for six months at that time. I get back to we get to Radio City. You know, I haven't seen my wife in six months, right? So, all right, so we do the gig, everything. Rob comes to the show. Um, the production manager never brings Rob to me because I leave as soon as I play the last beat because I'm trying to get home to my wife to get a couple <laughs> of days with my wife before I have to go back on the road. So I left, right? So I never met him. But the production manager also never said nothing about rob or anything when he came he never said nothing about him after we went back on tour all right so cool so a little while passed um i w i was out on tour with beyonce beyonce ladies first tour we on the ladies first tour it's alicia keys beyonce missy elliott and someone else all right so we have a break everybody go home so these people that I know that work for Alicia Keys, they got called for a gig. The background singers, they got called for a gig. So they went to the gig. The lady that called them for the gig walked in the gig and said, hey man, does anybody know Gerald Haywood? And one of the background singers was like, yeah, that's my boy. You know, we on tour right now. We play basketball every day, whatever, whatever, right? So she was like, do you have a number on him? And, and he was like, yeah. So gave her my number. She in turn called me. She said who she was. She said she was calling from, it sounded like she said she was calling. She, I'm calling for Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20. Is exactly what she said. <laughs> so as I, I, I'm on the phone and I'm like- And Matchbox like, 20, Matchbox 20 at this point is huge. Yeah, huge, huge, right? So, you know, as I'm talking to her, she said, yeah, you know, Rob Thomas heard you play he wants you to come do a song on his new record, his solo record, or whatever. Matchbox 20. She said Matchbox 20. And I was like, okay, cool. She said, um, I'm going to call Rob now. I'm going to hang up from you and call Rob and let him know I found you. I've been looking for you for over a year to play this one song on Rob Thomas' record. So, all right, cool. No problem. So when she hang up, I instantly called my friend Teddy Campbell. I'm like, yo, Teddy, I'm like, yo, man, you ever heard of this group called Matchbox 20? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, uh, that sounds like rock to me. And he said, it is. I said, yo, man, they just called me. I don't know what to do. Because, you know, that's out of my element. You know, I'm gospel, R&B, and hip-hop. That's me. Growing but, up in the church, growing up right, in the church. Right. That's, that's me. So... Teddy goes, look, man, whatever it is, take the gig. I was like, bro, like, I'm not, 
I don't know that music. I don't know how to play that. Like, I don't, I don't know that. He's like, don't worry about it. Just say yes. All right, cool. <laughs> I hang up, hang up the phone with him. The young lady calls me back. She said, okay, Rob wants you to do a session tomorrow. Can you do the session tomorrow at the Hip Factory in New York? I said, sure, I can. She said, how much do you get paid with Mary J. Blige per week? And I told her. So told her that. She gave me half of that but for a day rate. <laughs> so, all right. so she gave me half of that for the day rate. So cool. I show up. I show up at the at the session. You know, I bring all my drums. I show up at the session. I'm there. You know, I'm sitting there. When I walk in, it's a it's a it's an engineer that works with Timberland. So I'm like, yo, what's up, man? He like, yo, what's up, man? I said, yo, what you doing here? He said, I don't know. And I said, me neither. I don't know what I'm doing here. Because he, you know, he's the hip hop, you know, guru right. on boy. So he's he's that, you know, for Timberland and everything. So I said, yo, man, I don't know what I'm doing, but we're gonna figure this out. So a guy named Max Seletic was the producer. Was the producer. He produces Matchbox 20 too. And he right. used to be, he used to be, he, he was in Collective Soul back in the day, and then he became a yeah. huge producer. And he, and he ran, uh, I want to say Virgin Records, or one of the records. Oh, yeah, companies. he took over, yeah, with Jason Flom, he took over, he wound up taking over. Exactly. So, okay, cool. So, when I get there, I'm, I'm there, I'm talking to my boy, we're sitting down, whatever, then Rob walks in. So Rob walks in and he go, hey, you're Gerald? And I go, yeah. And he was like, oh man, I love your playing. You know, I came to the Mary J. Blige concert, blah, blah, blah. I want you to play this song. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, I was like, can I hear the song? We were waiting for Max Seletic because he, he had to come from work, you know, working at the record label after four o'clock. So we did at 12 o'clock, but he don't come to after four o'clock. All right, cool. So I was like, yo, can I hear the music that you want me to play on? And he was like, sure. So he made the guy pull it up. So put it. So as soon as I heard the drum machine, I was like, all right, cool. This is something else. This is not the rock stuff. You know what I mean? Right. So I was like, okay. So I was like, let me go in the booth and fool around with it and learn it. So he was like, cool. So I go in and I'm playing and I'm playing a song. And it's uh it's lonely no more. I'm playing a song, I'm doing everything, I'm playing it, and I was like, I right, I got it. I got I came out the booth, I came back into the to the control room, and Rob was like, Yo, that was great. We keeping that. And he was like, I need you, he was like, he was like, I need you to do 12 more songs. I need you for two and a half months. Okay. And I was like, I was like, wait, man, nah. I was like, nah, I was like, no, I was just practicing the song. I, no, we can't keep that. He was like, I love it. And when Matt Seletic walked in and he heard it, he was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I wound up, I wound up, they had some program drums. I wound up replacing all the program drums um, in that two months. And it's all me. It's yeah. all me. Album. And that's how it played out. That that I love that story because and and I want to I wanted to remind everybody about that because that was a groundbreaking record a groundbreaking sound he you yeah. know coming from a super group at the time and with smooth right. and everything and then and you know doing his first solo album and then right you know it, it's not the obvious choice like you said but you made it work and you you then that was it the, the gospel world I mean, <laughs> 
it, it, it really, everybody, I mean, you had everybody wanting to play like that. It was a whole new <laughs> genre of music, which you, you're responsible for, man. Thanks. And Gerald, you played on every track on that record? Yes, yes, sir. Awesome. Yes, sir. One, of, one of my favorite all-time records. Thank I you, know. I, I, listened, I listened to it a little bit this morning just to refresh, and it's like the greatest, <laughs> it's like the greatest yeah. hits album. Yeah, the one thing, the one thing that that um, made me really overjoyed about doing that record was Teddy Campbell said to me, me, him, and Aaron Spears were sitting down one day and we was talking and laughing and joking and eating. And he said to me, he said, man, he said, I was so proud of you on that because it sounded authentic. It didn't sound like you were trying to mimic anything. He was like, it was authentic, you know, like smooth rock or something. It was authentic, you know? Oh yeah. No, I, I love the, I love Matchbox 20 and, 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 you know, Paul's a great drummer. Of course, Abe Fogel does a great job live. I mean, I, I loved him, but I never would think that's Gerald and I know you and I, would, <laughs> you know, and then when I found out, I was like, oh my, I called you right away. I was like, yeah. oh my God. And then you told me the story and it was like, yeah, yeah it was. All right, let's jump to the, sh before okay. that, I want to talk a little bit about the shed. Let's okay. talk about the way, the sheds that you used to have, because you taught a lot of guys, famous guys, <laughs> who are famous right. now. Right, right, right. Well, you know, shedding is just something that we have done for years and years and years and years. Um, I can honestly say that, uh, you know, the uh the gospel chops dudes um they kind of brought it to y'all on video you know shedding was something that we did in private it was something that you know we would just go into church set up some drums and just play and practice you know what i mean um but you know the gospel chops uh how can i say the gospel chops brand brought it to the brought it to you guys to see it you know what i mean like they, it right. made it made it visual and um, I respect them for that. I respect them for, you know, showing how we were in church and showing, you know, what was our, uh, you know, the attitude towards drumming. You know what I mean? Um, my attitude towards drumming is very aggressive. You know, my attitude towards drumming, you know, um, it, it, it came out like where I'm from. You know, I'm from New York. You know, New York is a very, a big but tight place it's tight you know it's a whole bunch of drummers in new york and we all fighting to be heard you know what i mean um and you know my my style came out to you guys as as that but it came how, from how? new york from living in new york you know i was taking the trains and buses when i was 10 years old you know like like that was something you know my kids my kids never took the train or the bus, you know, like they, you know, they took the school bus, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, just to say the least, um, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm happy that to be a part of being able to shed. Shedding is, you know, you collecting information, you learning and you trying to see what you can get out of the drums. And I take that very seriously. I take it and I put it in the category with mentoring and we're trying to make other professional drummers. That's my whole, that's my goal, to take the younger guys and help them be professional drummers as I was. And, and, and that's you're, huge. You're, and that's what we're gonna have you do. You know, we're asking you at Modern Drummer to, to collaborate right. with us on some 
uh, lessons and seminars and, and bring that insight because one of the things we learn as we, as we grow is that to save time and to get from A to B to C to D in the most time efficient way is actually the most valuable result from education. And that's only gotten from guys who have experienced what you have and you've figured it all out. You've learned it in some ways the hard way. And, yeah. and in other ways, you found faster ways to do it, like it, all education consists of. And, and now you can bring that to somebody and go, this took me 10 years to learn. Listen, right. and in five minutes, you'll have the lesson. Yep. You are, and, you are. And, and Gerald is a great, Gerald is a great mentor. And, and a lot of people respect him, you know, tremendously because he, he is so good at what he does. I mean, you know, right. you really are, you, you know. I just try to... Like I said, I, I want everybody to win, man. I want everybody to win. I want no, I, and that that's what we love about you, and that's what keeps you so humble. I mean, you know, you've always been humble and always tried, as long as I've known you, you've always tried to help as many people as you possibly can. And that's you know so, what? And it's Daryl's one of the good guys, man. He's one of yeah. the he's, and, he's, and you know he what? is he's one of a kind. And it's not Thanks. just the R and B. It's not just the R and B guys. It's like. Drummers, you know, it's like you you help drummers. It's not, you know, there's no like, oh, I'm only gonna help the guys who play like I play, or you know, the guys that no. I want to play like me. No, there's a lot of guys that look up to you, so I'm happy to have you on uh, board with us. Yeah, I had I had a lot, you know, experiences when I was younger. You know, God rest his soul. You know, Jeff Davis. Um, yeah, Big Jeff. Uh, you know, it just hurts me because, um, you know, he was one of the guys that that would talk to me more than sit down and show me stuff on the drums. Right. You know, in his conversation about the drums, about, you know, knowing how to, you know, be on time and knowing how to, you know, express yourself on drums was more essential to me than the playing, the sitting down and left, right, right, left, whatever. Like it's, it was yeah. more, it was more to that. You know, what the I mean? mind learning. Yeah. It was. I, I. I always make a reference to it. It's like you know. Remember the show Kung Fu, and the, yeah. the guy. You know, David Carradine. Yes, he would teach. He would teach the guy, and then the guy would go somewhere, and then at whatever situation he was in, he would remember exactly what the teacher just taught him. You know what I mean? And that's what Jeff Davis was to me. It was like. You know, he would say stuff to me like, yo, you playing too much in the verse. Yo, your hi-hat swinging too much or blah, blah, blah. And I would be out playing and I'd be like, man, I hear Jeff saying, yo, you playing too much in the verse. Are you playing? And, and I would apply what he said to me and it would be perfect. It would be like, oh man, like, like as if he was there saying, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this. And and I always make that reference because he was the master and he was showing me, you know, without physically showing me, you know, it's right, just like, right. you no, know, it's, it's just like the karate kid. It's like wipe on, wipe off. Yo, man, I'm cleaning up. I'm not playing. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fighting. Like, I don't know no fighting techniques. Yeah, you do. You just keep waxing on and wax, wax off. And then when you get in a fight, you're going to see that the wax off and the wax on works <laughs> so right and you know and and you yeah. respected him which was a really big thing 
like people okay. respect you because you could have been, and we know, we know a lot of people, I'm not going to say who, you know, we know a lot of people that just go, oh man, that's old school. What does he know? It's like, I'm going to do it my way, man. I want to play these notes, you know, and, and not listen. But you, right. because you respected him and because you knew his experience, I mean, he was great. I mean, he, he you know, he was before you. So, you know, and-, and Awesome. Yeah. And- awesome. Me and you, the last time I was with you was the last time I saw Jeff that time. Yeah, uh, right. That yeah. was the last time we saw him before he passed. God rest yeah. his soul, man. It's funny because I talked to him the whole week, the week that he passed. I talked to him every day. And it was, it was crazy because I can hear, you know, he had covert, but I think he died from a heart attack, but I'm not exactly sure. But, um, yeah, man, like, we talked every day and we was talking about so much stuff and life and, you know, trying to get healthy and making sure we eating right and doing the right thing. And, right. and, you know, the drums came in a little bit, but you know, it was, it was more of that. Um, you know, Jeff was at uh, Whitney Houston's mom's church. Um, he was uh, the musical overseer there. And, um, you know, we was about to get him some drums for the church and everything. And, like I, I'm saying, man, like Jeff is a big part of who I am and who y'all know me to be because um, he, it was just conversations, buddy. Just conversations. Yeah. God, well, God bless. God bless yeah. his soul. He's watching over us now. man. Yes. And he's proud of you. I know he was proud of you. Yeah. He tell me all the time. He was very proud of you. And, yeah. a lot of people and Joe you. Smith, Joe Smith too. And, uh, a, you know, I lost, I lost a lot of, a lot of drum friends in the pandemic. I mean, Joe Smith, what well, he passed away before the pandemic, but I lost Jeff, and I don't know if y'all know Kahari, Kahari from Chicago. Kahari used to play for Destiny's Child before me. Kahari, I don't know, I don't know him. Yeah, he is like the Jeff Davis of Chicago. So hmm. for Alvin and Rex and all of the Chicago guys. Kahari was the guy, was, he was the guy. And even, wow. uh, what's my man that plays for uh, Lionel Richie? Oscar Seaton. Oscar is amazing, man. I, I met Oscar through Teddy Campbell. And you know, Teddy Campbell explained to me who Oscar was in Chicago too. You know, in Chicago, he was the dude that was, you know, playing in the clubs and, you know, going outside of church and playing. You know, along with Kahari, Kahari Parker, who passed away, God rest his soul. Um, but one, like two of the nicest guys I've ever met, two of the nicest guys. And, you know, they embraced me. They knew who I was. And now, Gerald, okay. it sounds to me like you've you've taken all that you've learned. And, and now the student has become the teacher. And you've and you've applied all that that all of that wisdom and, and, and experiential knowledge that you got from Jeff and now you're able to wrap it into another level, taking all your experience additively to, you know, to the learning and, and that's right. now next level teaching. Right. I'll be totally honest with you, man. Like I never had no schooling on the drums. Right. Um, I don't know how to read, but uh, my life experiences, <laughs> kind of helped me but like I was talking to Steve Gadd one day and he asked me a simple that's question your, that's your favorite that's one of your favorites oh, that's my guy um he asked me a simple question he said um 
He said, when you were in school, were you good at math? And I said, you know, math was my favorite subject. He said, drums is math. He said, you take the numbers and you divide them. And you take the beats and tempos and you divide them and you multiply them and you, you figure out, um, you know, what, what you can play in between certain things and what you can't play. So, you know, he's, you know, he's guru, he's guru. So I'm, I'm just listening. But um, like I said, I've never had any schooling or any teaching. Um, I sat down and played drums at my church because I used to be the percussion player. I used to be the kuma player. And I sat down on the drums one day because the drummer didn't come. And everyone said, you should play the drums. And, and you, how old were you? How old were you then? I was about 11 or 12 right. years. I remember, yeah, I remember you were young. I'm a late bloomer, you know, because most, most drummers that you guys talk to, they start at two and three years old with the frying pans and the pots and the whole thing. <laughs> I, was, I was the kunga player in the church um, along with some other older kunga players. Um, where my church was, uh, 170 Adelphi Street in Brooklyn, uh, the community was Latino. So they would bring their kungas outside and just be playing like just random. Like, you know, when it's a nice day, I'm talking about, you know, playing on the bottles and playing the kungas. And so those rhythms was always in my head. They were always, you know, when I went, you know, I'm playing outside, outside playing football and all of this rhythms and stuff is going on, but it's live. It's they, they are playing it, right? So my church, by the way, uh, baptized Max Roach. So he got wow. baptized church in Brooklyn. And one day I was in there shedding and he walked in the church. And I was like, oh my God, Max Roach. Like, wow. just crazy. And he was like, yeah, man. He was like, I was baptized here. So I just came to see it. He was actually playing at, uh, I want to say Mega Evitz or something like that. No, you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't know he was coming. He just randomly came that day. He just randomly came. I'm in there practicing. And he, wow. randomly, he Max Roach walks in the church. And it's like, yo, I was like, I was ghost. I, I thought I seen a ghost, bro. I wow. thought I seen, literally, I was mortified. And I just started talking to him. But you know, my 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 being wasn't jazz orientated at all, but I knew who he was because of my right. drum and because of records. And you know, you know, I always say my era is hearing. You know, my era is hearing. This era is seeing. You know, I went from listening to records and tapes and CDs to now we have YouTube. We have Spotify, we have, you know, Apple Music, everything, I can see a video in, in, from anywhere. I can see a video from anywhere. So, you know, that's, that's what it is, man. I mean, I just never had a lot of education in drums. I just knew how to sit and play, and, and that's what it's always been. And I think, I think that that's what made you be, become you. That, that's what gave you your own thing because yeah. you were just, you were hearing things subconsciously probably, but right. you were feeding off your own. So you were creating, which is what you did. You created your own sound. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Like, you know, being in the church world, you know, uh, 
people get to find out your talent when you go to their church or when you go to a convention or something and you play. And it's like, oh, wow, that's crazy. This dude is dope. Where's he from? Where he from? It's like, oh, he's from New York. He go to this church, blah, blah, blah. So like, you know, now with the internet, there's really no best kept secrets. It's no, you know what I mean? Right. When When you see like the little drummer boy play on the internet, you're like, oh, yo, that's amazing. But then you see him at NAMM, you'd be like, oh, that's the little boy. Oh, he's cute. That's the little boy that play on the internet. You know what I mean? It's no like wow factor. You don't get the wow factor no more because of the internet. I love the internet, but the internet is like a catch 22, you know, because there was a lot of hidden gems. You know, it's people like, you know, at some point, only my church, my parents, and my community knew that I was as good as I was. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but till now, you with, di- till you were discovered. Yeah. yeah, right. Like so, the internet kind of brings everything out. So there's no wow factor when I see it in person now. Right. You know remember, I- remember the first time we all saw Tony Royce, the, Tony Royce, as a kid, man. Right. I, I remember standing when he played the Modern Drummer Festival, um, which you played the Modern Drummer Festival right. as well. Um, I remember somebody standing next to me. I, I think it was Colin that used to work at Zildjian. He turned around to me and he said, you're going to witness history right now because I've seen him before. You're going to see him for the first time and you're never going to forget this. <laughs> and, and, and that was it. Like Tony sat down. I think he was like, I don't know, 11, 10, whatever he was. He was a right, kid, right. a little tiny yeah, kid. Yeah. And he just blew it. He yeah. just blew everybody away. And the crazy, the crazy thing is, is in church, we have a lot of that. We have these kids that are gurus at the instrument and they just now starting out. But it's like, when they sit down, it's like, oh my God, like, is this really happening? This kid is like 10. You know what I mean? Like, so Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell was 10 years old when I met him. He was 10 years old. His musicality was just off the charts, man. When he sat down and played drums. And, you know, I met his mom and his, his dad and him. And I took them to D-Drum because, like, I was like, yo, y'all need to get this kid. Like, this kid is going to be something. Um, right. and, 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 you know, that was a, it's a blessing to find and kind of connect with people, you know, like Spud and Calvin. And I knew all of these guys when they was young, young. You know what I mean? I was doing, I was the one going to people's churches and playing and all of that. And they were watching me or watching me on TV and, you know, watching the tours and all of that stuff. So it's a blessing to see them come into the professional realm and to, you know, you know, being in a magazine, being in modern drama, or being, you know, on the internet sensation and, and, you know, having followers and all of that stuff. Like, this is a blessing, you know, Jamal Moore, you know, I know him since he was a kid, kid. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and I just have so many guys that I've watched, Sharik Tucker, I've, I've watched these boys be boys, little boys, you know what I mean? And work on their craft and then come out like, bam.
All right, two things before we go that I really want to cover. Michael Jackson, tell us about playing with Michael Jackson because I know you wanted to tour with him and that never happened, but you did get to record yeah. with him, which is, yeah. I mean, come on, Michael it's Jackson. Funny. It's funny because the Rob Thomas, I wanted to tour with Rob Thomas too, and I was out with Destiny's Child, and I missed his tour rehearsals. Well, this is the thing. They were starting the tour rehearsals the day I got back from touring with Destiny's Child. Right. So I was like, and Destiny's right. Child at this point was huge. Yeah. So this is, but this is Destiny's Child uh, farewell tour. So this, right. is the, this is, this is, this is the end. Right. So check it out. So, so, um, you know, I call, they call me and it's like, yo, can you do the gig or whatever? They call me in the middle of the tour. And I was like, yeah, I won't be able to do it. But they had, you know, the first day I got back home, they had rehearsals, but I found out they had a friend of mine, Abe Fogel, playing. I love Abe Fogel. Abe we Fogel. love Abe. Yeah, we yeah. love Abe. Abe was the drummer for Guy before me. Before, well, it was Abe. It was it was Abe, Jeff, then me, Jeff Davis. So it was Abe, Jeff Davis, then me. But I love Abe so much. I was like just gonna show up at the rehearsal, and I knew if I showed up at the rehearsal. They was gonna be like, yo, we need to take you because you did the album, whatever, whatever. You know, because I only really did one gig with Rob Thomas. It was a charity event in New York in the Bowery section in a bank. And it was like $25,000 a plate. I did that one gig with him. And then I did another gig filling in for Abe later down the line. But I didn't get to go on that tour because I felt like, I didn't want to get a throw it off the tour. Basically, I didn't want to come in and just be like, "Yo, I can go." You know what I mean? Yeah, that was that was that was a very respectful thing. Yeah, because Abe is my family. I love Abe, and I would never do anything to take money or food off the table for his family. So I was fine. I just came off the tour with Destiny's Child. The bank account was good. I was good. So I didn't get a chance to go out with Rob Thomas. Now, with Michael Jackson, <laughs> I did um, the last album that he did, uh, I played on a song called Rock My World. And then I also played on 10 songs that didn't make the record. So I played on 10 songs, but two of them made the record. Rock My World and another song called Privacy is on that record. And uh, working with Rodney Jerkins, we did that record. Um, you know, I've met Michael 10 times and he never knew I played the drums. I <laughs> met him with Teddy Riley because I did Remember the Time. I did some uh, drum, snare drum samples from Remember the Time. And also, I was, we was on tour with Guy and Michael Jackson took us off tour so Teddy can finish the Dangerous album. So, you know, I've been to Neverland and all of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I met Michael Jackson, spoke to him and everything. And he never knew that I played drums until we got to the Rock My World album. And then Rodney Jerkins was telling him, he said, yo, who is that playing the drums? And he said, that's Gerald. You know, Gerald, he'd be around like he'd be standing around like, you know, that's Gerald. And he was like, man, he's awesome. And I was on the phone with Rodney as he was saying that to Michael Jackson. And I was saying, Rodney, 
tell him I want to play on the tour. I don't want to play on the record. I want to play on the tour, man. I need to go on tour with this dude. And <laughs> he was like, no, nah, I ain't saying that. I was like, man, I'm coming down there. You need to tell him he was at the Hit Factory and I was home. I was like, man, I'm coming there. I'm coming there to talk to him because I want to play on the tour. So, but I never got a chance to. But like I said, I've met Michael Jackson plenty of times and been in his presence um with the producers and just been sitting in the corner you know not really saying much and not doing much but observing you know michael is a very he's a tall guy man he's he's kind of tall big hands big feet um and he didn't talk well he talked in the high voice and i'm gonna tell you the reason why he talks in a high voice he talks in a high voice to keep his register high for singing hmm. So he keeps his vocals warm and able to reach those those high notes because he talk in a high voice. So his voice is he's wow. basically his voice at all times to be able to sing high. So he's so, trained. He's training. He's basically training his mind and his himself to right. be in that he's, mode. He's training. He's training the the octave of his voice basically. So so you know if. I talk in this register all the time. So if I needed to sing, I can sing in this register. You know what right, I mean? Right. But if I if I talk in a higher register when I need to sing, I'll be able to sing in a higher register. So that's what his that's what he did, you know, that's why that whole talking high thing, you know, he would do that, but he would only do that in front of the cameras. He had a very regular voice, regular talking, all of that when the cameras wasn't on. Now, did he did he have that aura? I mean, I never met him, so did did he have that aura? Because I've met certain people that have they do have an aura about them. Right. Yes. Did he have that? Did you feel that that presence? Yes. Um. A lot of a lot of times, I could tell you, man. Even being around Rob Thomas, being around all these people, you know, I played for Shaka Khan, I played for Stevie Wonder, you know, for Mike, and like all these, I played for Sting, I've played for Elton John. And I've never, I have never really grasped the moment. I've always grasped the moment after it was over. Right. So it's like, I'm at home, sitting home like, yo man, I just played for Sting. <laughs> like, 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 oh snap. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, that's when I grasped the moment. One day, I remember Aaron Spears calling me and saying, yo, man, do you know that you played for Michael Jackson? And he hung up the phone. And I said, <laughs> I called him back. I said, yo, what you doing? Why you hang up on me? He was like, because I'm sitting here thinking and I'm listening to some, some music and it's like, Gerald, you got a chance to play for Michael Jackson and none of us is going to be able to say we did that. He was like, that's so special. That's so crazy. It's so awesome. And I was like, wow, I never really realized it like that. Like, I never really, you know what I mean? You know, right, now that, right. you know, Mike is deceased. Nobody's going to ever be able to say they played for him but me, Jonathan, um, you know, God rest his soul, Ricky Lawson. You know, the, everybody else is not. JR, JR, John Robinson. And JR. And, and Jonathan uh, Moffat, you know, yeah, of course, Jonathan yeah, Moffat. And, and, and Dougal, and Dougal. And Dougal, right, and Dougal would be. So, so 
like it's not gonna be, and I think maybe Jeff Picaro, but it's not gonna be right. a whole lot of us to say. He's saying in our community, you know, yeah. us, us, yeah. you know, where we come from, nobody's gonna be able to say that. And uh, the one of the bucket guys, the guys that be on Forty Second Street, he played on the song with me too. He did something, and. Uh, I think he, he's on he's on uh, the song called Privacy with me. So, so now these Michael Jackson tracks are still in the can somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they 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 songs that just never came out. Rodney Jerkins has those songs. I did wow. those songs. I did a song. I did actually on a Privacy song was crazy because I did the Phil. I took a page out of Phil Collins' book and I took the bottoms off my DW drums. We put the mics up in the toms and we did, you know, got that whole effect, like the air of night effect, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. On the drums. So that was my first time doing that. And it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, man, 10 songs that I did and they just, they eight of them never made it. Two did and the other eight didn't make it. Wow. One last thing before we let uh -huh. you go. Um, we recently had Mickey Curry on, uh, who plays with uh, Brian Adams and, and Hall and & Oates. And we were saying that, you know, he, he played on, on with both of them and toured with both of them at the same time. Like back and forth, back and forth, recording on the road, recording on the road. And we were saying we don't think there was anybody else. But there is somebody else, you. Because you toured with Mary J. Blige and Beyonce at the same time. Oh, yeah. And I did before that, years before that, I've done... Uh... Silk and SWV back in the, the 90s, early right. 90s. Early. So this is the funny story, real quick, funny story. So remember I told you that I was supposed to be a part of the root, I mean, uh, uh, Fuji's. Uh, Fuji's, right? Mm -hmm. So there was a guy named uh, David Sonnenberg. He was the manager for the Fuji's. And I want remember the song, If I... Dun, 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 dun. What I say now, so, spin doctors, spin doctors, right? He has spin doctors, Thomas. Like, listen, he has spin doctors, meatloaf, uh, spin doctors, meatloaf, and the Fuji's, right? So, my cousin Bernard worked for him. My, my cousin Bernard worked for him as a manager, too. So, he called me. I was on the road with, with SWV and Silk playing for both groups on a Bud Fest, right? So he called me, he said, yo, man, he said, my boss wants to have a meeting with you. And I was like, all right, cool, no problem. I said, we beat in New York on such and such date and I got a day off. He was like, all right, come up to the office. Cool, I go up to this big office on Park Avenue somewhere, you know, I walk in, my cousin introduced me to David Sonnenberg, I sit down. He said, hey, man, he said, how are you doing on tour? I said, oh man, it's great. I'm having a good time. I'm making all this money and it's amazing. You know what I mean? Cause I'm making double everything. And he was like, cool. He was like, um, I have this little Haitian group. And he was like, I want to put you in the Haitian group because I want to make it like a band. He was like, I got a girl that raps. I got a guy that raps and he plays instruments. And then I got another guy that raps. And he was like, I want to put a drummer in there to make it like a band. So 
he was like, I was like, okay, cool. He was like, um, it pays, you know, I think he said like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars a month or something weird like that. Like it was like a low, it was low, right? And I'm like, dog, like I'm making double that over here. You know what I mean? I'm I'm getting it. I'm getting it over here. Like, and then playing for two groups on one tour, like that's that's you know, that's 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 guru status. So yeah. I, so so cool. So so I go, I go, he go, yeah, I want you to think about it and I want you to be a part of this group. They're called the Fuji's. He said they're they're a little Haitian group. They're from Haiti. One of the guys, they they're from Haiti, and and I want to make them a band. So I want you to be the drummer in the group, so to make it like a band. And I was like, nah, <laughs> nah. I was like, I'm making too much money. I'm I'm making way more than that over where I'm at. And you know the loyalty is like nah, I gotta do this. I can't, I can't do it. And you're playing with two superstars. Yeah, but then this know, would have been taking a chance. Yeah, but then I look stupid later on. Twenty million records later, the fools. I know, but you didn't. <laughs> you, 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 no, no one knew that at the time. That's the thing. You can't right. predict. Yeah, like I was offered, I was offered the Spice Girls gig because I did a, a a thing with Blackstreet for uh like a like a it was like a mtv uh beach beach show oh something. yeah they used to have their, their spring breaks all the time so there. so the spice girls was watching me play with black street they send a manager over when i stopped playing and they go he goes the spice girls want you to be their drummer and i go nah i'm good i can't i can't do it i'm i'm i'm, I'm okay because i felt like Nothing for nothing. I felt like the Spice Girls was gimmicky. Like it wasn't, you know, like real. I ain't gonna say it wasn't real singing or whatever, but it was gimmicky. Well, yeah, me. it was more. It was more of a package manufacturing. Yeah, package. It, it was gimmicky. It was a fad kind of thing. Right, right. And I was. But like, you were nah. busy. I mean, if you weren't busy and you needed a gig, you yeah. probably would have just said yeah, not knowing what was gonna happen. Yeah, every every group, man, ninety eight degrees, in sync. Yeah, all of them, man. I, I was supposed to do those gigs and I couldn't do those gigs because I was being loyal to Teddy or being loyal to Blackstreet or being loyal to you Beyonce know, and everybody. Yeah, I, I was I was being loyal. But yeah, that Spice Girls pissed me off because the next thing you know, that movie was out. <laughs> and I was marinated. I was looking at the movie like, oh man, man, fix me again. Well you did, you did, you did good for yourself. So thank you for taking this time and and joining us today. And we we got so much that we, more we could cover. So we're definitely gonna have you back. And we're right. kidnapping, we're kidnapping you now. So you ain't, you know, that's it. You're part of right. the family. You've always been part of the family. That you know. Well, I'm I'm the I'm the steward of uh of the drumming community on behalf of Modern Drummer and what Ron Spagnardi started 45 right. years ago. And uh, we take it very seriously. And, you know, the whole point of it is to celebrate the, the great drumming that, that occurs every day of our lives and the guys that are inspiring that drumming and innovating that drumming. And you absolutely right. are one of those guys and have been for a long time. So um, this is the beginning of, of a lot of journeys together. Thank you today for being with us. And uh, we wish you, you know, continued good health, 
and, uh, and, and great drumming. Thank you so much for taking this time. No and problem. We'll see you again soon, definitely. No problem, Billy. Thank you. I, I love you guys, man. I love you too, Gerald. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Peace. Thank you, everybody, for watching this week's Modern Drummer Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode exclusively on Podcast One. Until then, stay safe and healthy, and thanks for listening and watching. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ... How do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.